This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. We've been in a series uh, entitled, You Asked For It, where we've been uh, preaching on questions submitted back in May. And uh, we're dealing with another one today. One category of questions we received were questions that hit at the, the basics, the foundations of Christianity. Questions like, what is grace? What is repentance? How do I know I'm a Christian? How do I know I'm saved? We had a number of questions just like these, which is really cool uh, because those questions really are the best questions anybody can ask. So today we're looking at the topic, am I really a Christian? Now, those of you who've been following Jesus uh, a long time, I would say to you, uh, make a mental note that these kinds of questions were common. Please make a mental note of that and think through on your own the significance of that. These kinds of questions were common uh, in our congregation when those questions were being submitted in May. Now, I'm making an assumption today because I can't, I can't hit at this exhaustively. I'm making an assumption uh, in today's message. My assumption is that you believe already two things about Jesus. The first is that he really did exist. It's the first assumption I'm making. The second is that you believe uh, who he was, uh, who he himself said he was. Okay? Those are two assumptions that I'm making uh, in today's message. We're going to look at these three things today. We're going to look at what Christianity isn't, what Christianity is, and how do I know I'm a Christian? What Christianity isn't, what Christianity is, how do I know I'm a Christian? First, what Christianity isn't. In uh, Luke 15, Jesus tells a parable to describe to us what Christianity is not. A parable was a fictitious but illustrative story containing spiritual truth. Jesus often employed this during his ministry on earth. So he's using these stories to convey to us truth. In this, in this particular parable, the story is illustrating what Christianity isn't. The story is of a father and his two sons. Each son represents what Christianity isn't in a different way. One day the younger son comes to his father and demands his share of the inheritance. This was a striking demand because in that time, inheritances were not distributed until dad had passed away. But this son has the audacity to ask for it immediately. It's telling us something about the younger son. He wants his father's stuff. He wants his father's blessings. But he doesn't want a relationship with his father. His father is dead to him. He just wants the blessings that his father can give him. He doesn't want a relationship with him. 
Now, in the story, the father represents God, and this is often God's way of dealing with human beings. He often gives us what our hearts want the most as a way of allowing us to discover what our hearts want the most isn't the answer. So in the story, the father grants his son's wish. He gives him his share of the inheritance, and the son leaves home. It's his goal to make his life like he had pictured it in his head. So Jesus tells us that this son leaves home, and he ends up squandering his wealth in wild living. So he partied hard, but in the process, he hit rock bottom. He found himself on hard times, and he began to rethink his life and his decisions. He realized that rejecting a relationship with his father wasn't the fulfilling path to take. He thought it was, but it ended up not being that way. So he comes to his senses, and he goes home, and he asks for his father's forgiveness. Now, how do you think his dad's going to react to this? After having been treated with such contempt, how do you think the father's going to react to his son coming back home? Well, upon seeing his son off in the distance, the father broke out into an all-out sprint to get to him, embrace him, and welcome him back. His son confesses his wrongdoing to his father. The father throws a big celebration. His father treats his prodigal son with grace. That's one way people choose to live their lives, and Jesus is using the son's life as a way to say this is one way to avoid Jesus as Savior. It's through self-discovery. It's by going out there and living however you would like to live without any regard for having a relationship with your Father, your Heavenly Father, your Creator, your Maker. Now, what about the older son? Where has he been while all this has been transpiring? Well, the older brother has been home with his father. He's been diligently working the farm. He's been right by his father's side, dutifully carrying out his responsibilities. How do you think he reacts when he finds out his younger brother has returned? More than that, how do you think the older brother reacts when he finds out that his father has thrown a party because his wild child sibling is back? How does he react? He's irate. He's livid. He's enraged. Why? That's the million-dollar question. That's the million-dollar question. Why is the older brother so incensed over the celebration taking place because of his younger brother's return? Why is he so outraged? He's outraged because he thinks he has earned something his younger brother hasn't. See, in the story... The older brother complains that his father didn't throw him a single party. He didn't get one bit of recognition for staying by his side and being loyal and moral and dutiful. But the son who went out and squandered his inheritance on prostitutes is getting the red carpet treatment. 
What is the older brother's anger saying about what he wants? He wants what his younger brother is getting. In other words, what he wants and what his younger brother wanted are the same thing. The older brother wants the very same thing as his younger brother. He wants his father's stuff. He wants what his father can give him. He wants the blessings of his father, but he does not want a relationship with his father. The only difference between the two brothers is how they went about getting these blessings. The younger brother got it through this blatant disregard for his father. The older brother wanted it through his moral performance. So let me pause there. To flesh out what Christianity is, and I want to focus on the older brother. The older brother represents religion. In contrast to Christianity, I'm going to define religion this way. Religion is, I obey, therefore, I'm accepted. I perform, therefore, I'm approved. This right here is the religion of the older brother. The older brother was more concerned with behavior than a person. The older brother was more concerned with a code of conduct than a relationship. And this is what many people mistakenly think is Christianity. Many people think Christianity is about living your life in such a way that you're putting together a moral and spiritual resume you hope to impress God with one day. If you think true Christianity is, I obey, therefore I'm accepted, I perform, therefore I'm approved, you've either been lied to or you have not been listening. This is not biblical Christianity. So what is Christianity? What is Christianity? Let me uh, just read very briefly, comment briefly on three verses from the New Testament and then I'll try to unpack and illustrate what they are trying to convey to us about the nature of true Christianity. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now look closely at what the verse is saying. It's saying salvation, that is being a true Christian, is not obtained through moral and spiritual works. It's a gift of God's grace. Paul says the same thing in 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. You don't earn salvation, it's a gift. 
One more verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him, this is a little tricky. I'm going to unpack this after I read it. God made him, that is Jesus, he made him who had no sin, Jesus had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. I'm going to unpack that one in just a minute. The chief mark of true Christianity is grace. Grace is what separates biblical Christianity from false Christianity. Grace is what separates biblical Christianity from all other religions and philosophies out there. Grace is, let me give you a definition. Grace is unmerited favor. That's grace. Grace is unmerited favor, unearned favor, undeserved favor. Let me take one step back. Many people think Christianity is, I obey, therefore God accepts me. That's not biblical Christianity. True Christianity, biblical Christianity is, I'm accepted by God through what Christ has done, therefore I obey. How does that work? Let me illustrate this. When you want to be accepted at a place of employment. When you want to be accepted by a potential employer, you give that potential employer something you hope will cause them to accept you as an employee. Yes? Right? And what is that thing you give them that you hope will cause them to accept you as an employee, you give them a validating performance record, a resume, a resume, a validating performance record. So when you want to apply for a job, you put together a validating performance record, a resume, and then you send off that resume to your potential employer as a way of saying, take a look at this, look at it carefully, this is why I'm fit to be accepted for the job you're offering, okay? Or if you want to get into college or graduate school, you send your validating performance record, a transcript. And by sending your transcript to that particular school, you are in effect saying to them, take a look at this document. This is why I am worthy to be accepted as a student at your school. So we need a validating performance record to be accepted as an employee. We need a validating performance record to be accepted as a student. We also need a validating performance record to be accepted by God. Now most people think if they live a good life, a moral life, their validating performance record will be good enough to gain them God's acceptance. That's religion. I obey, therefore, I'm accepted. I perform, therefore, I'm approved. 
And the reality is their performance, if they're going to approach it this way, their performance won't be good enough because God tells us that if we want to be accepted into his kingdom, into his family, our validating performance record doesn't just have to be good. It has to be perfect. Whose validating performance record in this life is perfect? Nobody's. Nobody's except for Jesus. Jesus, when he came into this world, he lived a perfect life. He put together a validating performance record of his own, which is spotless, flawless. And then Jesus offers his own validating performance record to us as a gift. This is grace, unmerited favor undeserved favor every other religion and every other worldview out there says you have to do better try harder next time improve your validating performance record it's up to you but true Christianity is something completely different and unique Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and Jesus died in our place, the death we rightly deserved. So that when we put our faith and our trust, not in our own validating performance record, but when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus' validating performance record, we receive his validating performance record as a gift. You get to hold in your hands Jesus' validating performance Sinclair Ferguson wrote this. He says, the gospel is an invitation to receive a gift. But many people hear it as a summons to do better. Paul makes it clear that the gospel is not about something we do. It is about what God has done for us. In Jesus Christ. True Christianity is not about a code of conduct. It's about a person. Jesus Christ. Jesus lived the life you should have lived. And he died the death you should have died. So that by faith you get credit for all of it. Christianity is not, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. I perform, therefore I'm approved. That's not biblical Christianity. Christianity is, I'm accepted by God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, I obey. Last question. How do I know I'm a Christian? How do I know I'm a Christian? In the very first chapter of Mark's account of Jesus' life, we read this. Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. When you see that word, when you see those words good news, that's the word for gospel. Gospel means good news. So Jesus preached God's gospel, God's good news. Jesus said, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near Repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Believe the 
good news. Remember, the gospel is an invitation to receive a gift. It's not a summons to do better. The gospel is not about something we do. It's about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus lived the perfect life I could never live. Jesus died in my place, the death that my sins rightly deserved. This word for repent means to turn. It means to turn away from one thing and turn to another thing. So Jesus is saying, believe the gospel, believe the good news, believe that this is a gift. This is not a summons to do better. This is, this is, a, this is a gift to be received and turn from your old life and turn to me. Turn away from your old life and turn to me. When you renounce all other ultimate loyalties, when you renounce all other ultimate loves, and you turn to Christ and receive from him the gift of his perfect validating performance record, you are a Christian. Now, when, when modern people hear the distinction between religion and the gospel, they'll often say, well, that sounds too easy to me. That's a pretty sweet deal. That's all you need to do? You believe? And then you have a personal relationship with God? And then I can do anything I want? Listen, the only people who think that are, or say that are those who have not experienced God's radical grace. The only people who think that or say that are, are people who have truly not experienced God's radical grace. Think about it this way. How would you respond to someone? How would you respond to someone who gives you a $5 Starbucks gift card? How would you respond to someone who just gives you it out of the blue, not for anything, just out of the blue, they, they give you a $5 a Starbucks gift card? You, you probably would say, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, how would you respond to someone who gives you an all-expenses-paid two-week vacation to an all-inclusive five-star Caribbean resort in January. <laughs> Question. Would your response be different in tone or degree than the response you gave to the $5 Starbucks gift card? Yes? I'm guessing so. I'm guessing so. How we see God's grace will dictate how we respond to it. If God's grace is a $5 Starbucks gift card, we'll respond accordingly. If God's grace is much, 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 much more than that, we'll respond accordingly. There's a story about Abraham Lincoln before he hit the national scene and everybody knew his name. He gathered his meager savings as a countryside lawyer and he cast the bid, the highest bid, for a slave at auction. Having purchased her, he immediately set her free. She asked him, Mr. Lincoln, are you really setting me free from these chains? 
Yes, he said. Are you saying that I no longer have to follow a master? Yes, he said, you can go wherever you wish. Then she said, I want to go with you. Why would you want to go with Lincoln? Because what he did for her caused her to want to follow him, to be with him, to live life in community with his. What he did for her caused her to want to truly know him. You know you're a Christian when what Jesus has done for you causes you to want to know him, follow him, be in community with him, serve him, love him, praise him, honor him. Christianity is not, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. I perform, therefore I'm approved. Christianity is, I'm accepted through what Christ has done. Therefore I obey. You know you're a Christian when you see the gospel as an invitation to receive a gift, not a summons to do better. You know you're a Christian when you understand the gospel is not about something we do, but about something God has done for us. You know you're a Christian. You know you're a Christian when your heart has been melted by what Jesus has done for you, and all you want is to be with him. Let me conclude with this. Greg Gilbert, in his book called What is the Gospel, presents us with this. He says, when you stand before God, I wonder what you plan to do or say in order to convince him to count you righteous and admit you to all the blessings of his kingdom. What good deed or godly attitude will you pull out of your pocket to impress him? Will you pull out your church attendance? Your family life? Your spotless thought life? The fact that you haven't done anything really heinous in your own eyes? I wonder what you'll hold up before him while saying, God, on account of this, justify me. I'll tell you what every Christian whose faith is in Christ alone will do by God's grace. They will simply and quietly point to Jesus. And this will be their plea. Oh God, do not look for any righteousness in my own life. Look at your son. Count me righteous, not because of anything I've done or anything I am, but because of him. He lived the life I should have lived. He died the death that I deserve. I have renounced all other trusts. And my plea is him alone. Justify me, O God, because of Jesus. You bow your heads and close your eyes.
So are you a Christian? Maybe for the first time you're realizing you're not. You've operated under the assumption that being a Christian is about living a moral and spiritual life that gains you God's acceptance. But you've seen today that that's not true Christianity. True Christianity is an invitation to receive a gift. Have you received that gift? If not, you can do so now. Just say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to receive the gift of salvation. I put my trust in the perfect life you lived and the death you died in my place. I'm amazed at your grace and want to know you and follow you the rest of my life because of it. If receiving this gift is something you've done today, I'd I'd love to hear about it so I can celebrate with you and help you take your next steps in your new life. You can let me know through the Connect card or by emailing me or just come up to me and talk to me. Jesus, we stand amazed at your amazing grace. Inflame our hearts with gratitude and love for it. Inflame our hearts with gratitude and love for all that you've done for us. We praise you, we worship you now for your fame alone. Amen.